The text for the sermon this day is that gospel lesson, which was heard earlier and will be worked throughout the sermon. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This text is one of those good reminders that when we say this is the gospel of the Lord, we are actually just referring to the fact that we are reading a reading from Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Because this is not about the forgiveness of sins in this text. This text is all hard law. And it is not coming from Deuteronomy or Leviticus. It is coming from the words of Jesus himself. From his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. He begins by saying, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. It should be a note that just before this is a verse that I preached on last week where Jesus gave the command, said that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So here, if you've ever even insulted another person, if you ever said of them, you fool, you idiot, you're so stupid, I can't believe you, You are liable to the hell of fire. And notice what he says here, truly I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. He's talking about not an earthly judge there. He is talking about the the eternal judge, which is Jesus himself, who will come to judge the living and the dead. Until you have paid the last penny, you will never get out of the prison of hell. 
He says, you you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, by the way, women, I notice this is only talking to them. Sounds like it's only talking to men. Just naturally say to your brain, flip-flop it. Women, if you look lustfully at another man, you have committed adultery with him in your heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. Is Jesus being serious? Yes. If your right eye causes you to sin, yes, throw it out. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it out. Of course, hopefully you realize the problem. Your eye in your hand does not cause you to sin. It is you. It's your heart. It's your blackened, sinful heart that causes you to sin. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. So basically, outside of infidelity, which I've, I've actually considered that domestic violence goes with that. Domestic violence is cheating on your wife with yourself. The person has fallen so in love with himself that they have, don't care about the wife. But those are, that is the only reason for divorce. But we come up with so many different reasons as to why to get divorced. Again, you heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. In other words, now note he is not saying don't take an oath in court. In fact, the scriptures is littered with cases of being told that you should take oaths. Rather, what he is telling you is if you say you're going to do something, do it. If you cannot keep a promise, then don't make the promise in the first place. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. See, our temptation is when we look at sin. We want to make so small of it. We want to think it's nothing. But when he talks about insulting, our brothers or our sisters. How much do we hear about bullying in schools? How much do we hear about, how often do we hear the stories about somebody committing suicide because they're bullied relentlessly? You know that old saying that sticks and stones may break my bones but words may never hurt, will never hurt me? 
I'm guessing most of you figured it out by now that's not true. In fact, you probably figured out words are a lot more painful than the sticks or stones. You know, I might, on a day, I might stub my toe into a table or something, and I might scream and go, ow, 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 and maybe even say, think I, something I shouldn't say when it happens. That hurts for a few moments. But the painful words from, an, from another person, I could carry with me for several weeks or for a very long time. And I know that you are the same. And the thing is, is we wonder where do kids learn to bully their peers the way they do? Who are they watching? Their parents, their grandparents. They see the way they talk about others and they imitate. Adultery, you know, in this, we talk in this day and age, a major issue, of course, is gay marriage, homosexuality. But the thing is, is we don't think very much about the issues in our own hearts. The issues of heterosexual relationships. Adultery. The lustful look upon another. It is very, very common. And don't think, it, don't think it's just in your mind. The way you look upon a member of the opposite sex does affect the way you relate to every member of the opposite sex. When we look at women or we look at men as nothing but an object, as a trophy to, to receive or a reward and an accomplishment or a triumph, then we will treat them like an object. We'll treat them like a pack of cigarettes. As soon as they are used, we throw them out. Now, C.S. Lewis's illustration. Divorce, I'm a child of divorce. I could tell you of its effects. I know what it's like to have to drive seven hours every other week to go to visit my mom up in Fargo when we lived in Ankeny. And to not have, to only have one parent around. I know how much of a strain it was on my dad raising us. And the statistics are in abundance that children who are raised by one parent struggle. They don't do as well as those who have both. In my, one, of the thing, one of the things I've learned, one of the ways that you can see this is that children who grow up without their father have troubles controlling their anger, have troubles controlling their emotions. Those who grow up without their mother have troubles showing their emotions. And then talk about taking an oath, keeping your promises. 
All of us can probably think of that moment where our parents promised that they would do something and they didn't. Or our parents can remember that moment where the children promised that they would clean their room on a certain day or do the dishes or whatever and they came home to find that they hadn't done it. And you're a little disappointed. The sting of the law is great. It breaks all of our relationships. It's the very reason why we live in the state we do. I mean, just to give you an example, and I'm about to be controversial, going back to that thing about insulting, how much less do you think people would be reacting to our current president if he didn't make a habit of insulting one other people? Do you think people would be rioting less? I know that's, I, I'm talk, dealing in hypotheticals. But it has consequences. And I guarantee it, our children are watching as our president does that. And they're seeing that you can act like that and become president of the United States. What's to stop them? This is how broken the sinful condition is. And so we go back to that. If your eye causes you to sin, if your tongue causes you to sin, if your arm causes you to sin, we are to get rid of it. But in reality, the thing that causes us to sin is our very self. And that is why we need to die. Otherwise, we will take our entire self in to the hell of fire. And so you read in Romans 6, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? If you've been baptized, you were killed. There's a story of a pastor down in St. Louis, and some of you maybe have heard me talk about this, where this child was brought forth to be baptized. And I don't know, he didn't know the reason why, but the parents, for some reason, forgot to clothe their baby. And so they brought the baby up with nothing on. And so the pastor took this as an opportunity. Instead of filling up the little bowl with water, he left it empty, and he got an entire pitcher of water. And so, he had, so the child was put over the bowl, and the pastor said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And just doused the child with water. And this little old lady was at the front and goes, what is he doing to that child? To which the elder, an elder is sitting right behind her, leans in and goes, he's killing him. To which the answer is, bingo, he got it. That is what's happening in baptism. The child is being killed. Our sinful nature is being killed. 
The only way we can stand before God is that we, our sinful nature, must die. And so it does in the waters of baptism. This is why we cannot stand on our own works. We cannot try to be good enough because we're not. We fall so severely short of what God demands. So the only thing that can save us is the blood of Jesus shed on the cross, poured on you in the waters of baptism, where you are buried, your sin pushed away, wiped away, as far as you are, as far as the east is from the west, buried to never be dug up. So that when you stand before God, you stand as a child of God. Because in the waters of baptism, and actually I love this in some churches where they have the full-sized, they have the big baptismal font, where they actually immerse the child or the adult, and they bury them in, symbolizing that burial. And just so you know, when they do that immersion baptism, they don't leave the person in there until the bubbles stop. They lift them up. So also, we're lifted up out of the waters of baptism because in baptism, we are raised to a new life. We are made a new creation. And we are given the promise and the seal and the guarantee that on the last day, our bodies will rise from the dead just like Jesus' did. For as we shared in his crucifixion, we also share in his resurrection. We who are destined, who are liable for the hells of fire, who are required to pay every last penny. We can't pay that last penny. Jesus paid it on the cross. He puts you to death and he raises you and saves you and rescues you from hell and leads you to his kingdom, which is a place of bliss beyond our wildest imagination. Look at that colic for today. It's on the front of our bulletin. It says, O Lord, graciously hear the prayers of your people that we, who justly suffer the consequence of our sin, may be mercifully delivered by your goodness to the glory of your name. We deserve the consequence of our sin. But our Jesus, by his death and his resurrection, mercifully delivers you from, the good, from all sin. He delivers you to a kingdom, to a blessedness that is beyond your wildest imagination. So until that day comes, when we see how greatly God has loved us, may we be compelled to love others the same. To get put the best construction on others. 
to build up rather than to tear down. To tell people of how we appreciate them, how we are grateful for them. That we would look at the members of the opposite sex as people. Yes, women are people. Men are people. Treat them as such. Treat them as valued and precious by God. And let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you can't keep a promise, don't make it. And for those times that you fail, repent. Confess your sin. Receive the forgiveness of God, which leads to eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keeping the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen. Please stand. We confess our common faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seen as at this time we continue with the gathering of our offering.